Welcome to Stock in Development, the podcast where two media strategy nerds dissect what's developing in the world of entertainment. For the first time in 2024, I'm your co-host Eitan, and I'm joined as always by Carl. Hey Carl, Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Yeah, by the time we publish this, it'll be almost the end of January. Woohoo! <laughs> I mean, it's not like I went on a honeymoon and then I got COVID, and then you got restarted like uh, with sprints at work, and yeah. 2024 started uh, Yeah, really, really happy today. Today is going to be a short episode because I was running a fire drill at work. So really happy that I have a, a strategy nerd um, in the travel world today. So, uh, but we're here. We're good. Uh, we're just going to do a potpourri of topics we did not talk about. Um, okay, speed round. What was your favorite thing you've seen recently? My favorite thing I saw recently, um, I have to highlight that over like 40 hours of flights that I did for the honeymoon, the thing that I enjoyed watching slash rewatching the most was Frozen 2. I'm a big fan of Frozen 2. I think it's a great airplane movie. It has great songs. It has a good story. I, remember, I Like it finished and I turned Toriel on the plane. I was like, Frozen 2 is very good. Um, but apart from that... I enjoyed the experience of watching Maestro and the Zone of Interest without really knowing the vibe of the movies going in. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew what they were about. But I think they're good examples of how movies have styles, right? And they have speeds and they have focus. Yep. And how exactly the same movie or exactly the same topic can be so widely different. So, yeah, I know we'll probably touch into them in, in more time in the next couple of weeks, but Maestro and Zone of Interest were uh, an interesting watch to go in without knowing what to expect. What about okay. you? So are you pro-Maestro or anti-Maestro? I know this is a divisive film. I th- I approach it with nuance. Mm-hmm. I think overall, I'm pro-Maestro, even though I liked it less than I thought I would. Fair. That's how I put it. Yeah. I mean, I went in... Expecting it to be my favorite of the year. It's not quite my favorite of the year. I think I have it at like number eight right now. Um, I'll just say we, we should dig into it later. I understand why people are frustrated by it in theory, but all the criticism I read, sorry, your microphone keeps drooping and it is very funny. Yeah, to observe. I'm, I'm trying to physical comedy it. over here. <laughs> yes. Um, it's all right. We'll figure it. We'll fix it in post. Yeah. Um, the discourse around Maestro frustrates me in the same way that the discourse around Miyazaki's new film frustrates me, which is that I, I've not really seen a lot of criticism around what doesn't actually work about the film. I think he does bite off, bite off more than he can chew. Um, but he does it pretty astonishingly well. And I think the central relationship is really well executed and I think really carries the film. But the thing that frustrates me about both films and the the discourse around them is that they're so meta-textual. Like, everyone who likes the new Miyazaki is like, well, it's about all these things about him as a filmmaker and a dad and the past. And I'm like, yeah, but the film doesn't make a lick of sense to me. And then the flip side of that with the the new Bradley Cooper movie is everyone's like, he's trying so hard to win an Oscar. And I'm like, yeah, okay, but critique the film on its merits as opposed to him trying really hard, which he is. Uh, yeah, I, I'm frustrated by that. I don't think it's a perfect film, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, 
I think so. I think while I still, I again, I'm pro, but one of the things that left me wanting more is that it 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 did feel to me like it went halfway to many different places. Like Bradley Cooper for the past whatever three months since the strike ended was very much about like this a love story, this about the relationship, about Felicia and Lorena Bernstein. But it's not really like we don't know anything about her, basically. Yeah. And we don't spend that much time with her alone. And him, it's still a lot about other parts of his career. But they also don't talk that much about him in terms of like, if you don't know about Leonard Bernstein, you leave the movie without knowing yeah. what made him special. Like, you know, oh, yeah. oh, this thing where he did Mahler in the church was amazing because X. Or, oh, he actually did West Side Story, right? You hear one song of the Sharks. And if you're not paying attention or if you don't know West Side Story, you don't even know it's playing in the background. It's also very so, threateningly yeah. used as well. <laughs> also. <laughs> so, yeah, it just felt like I was. it felt like it went halfway through a couple of different areas where yeah. it would have been interesting if he didn't went to some areas at all and just went all the way in one. Still, I thought it was pretty cool. I'm loving the discourse about it taking him six years to learn how to conduct correctly because everyone is like dude in six years you can get a phd in music and actually become a conductor mm -hmm. but also nobody knows what you're doing anyway so like why is this a thing that we all know that yeah. seems awesome sure <laughs> but yeah i don't know it's been fun it is a very try hard movie but i think it 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 overreaches in the way that a lot of people's second films do and i think nothing about the film discourages me from thinking that he's one of our like great emerging altars like i am excited to see what he does next 100 percent uh zone of interest on the other hand i i mean hard to say that i loved zone of interest but it was my favorite of the year it's oh uh, it's number one it's number one for me yeah i think it i think it fared very well i actually had the chance to see under the skin in a theater like right before i saw zone of interest and have you seen under the skin no okay you should see Under the Skin. It's great in different ways. Um, and with Under the Skin, um, I actually had a bizarre experience watching it where I felt empathy for for Scarlett Johansson's alien character where she's essentially a scavenger scavenging uh, resources on Earth. I'll leave it on that in a way that is very, just very much disregards human life. Uh, but... The way it, it's made, it's like, well, if I'm a visitor on another planet and I see these beings and see them basically be like alien animal creatures that I don't understand and all I'm trying to do is is sociologically manipulate them to, to the best degree, then I would probably do that too from the same frame of reference that she has. So I was shocked at how like, empathetic the film is, even though the film is distinctly lacking human empathy. And... Zone of Interest is definitely playing on human empathy throughout. Uh, I was actually moved to tears at one point um, because of the, the single sh scene that shows any human empathy at all. Um, at least human empathy. The girl with the apples? The, the girl with the apples and the uh, like the, the piece of score she finds on the ground. Uh, like, oh, and when she... The, I thought you meant the score of the, mu of the movie that accompanies her scenes. Yeah. Very jarring. A very upsetting Mika Levy score, for sure. Uh, they really uh, continue to do what they do best, which is make horrifying sounds. Um, but <laughs> really, yeah, we can dig into that at a later point. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff, especially with the ending um, that really grounds it. But really love that one. 
Yeah. Yeah. I I I I need more time to um think about this one and maybe this is one where I'll talk with Kevin when he comes on because I um, have you have you been to Auschwitz? I have not. Okay. Uh I've been twice now and of course like I didn't have any direct family members that were there, but like my extent my family, most of my family didn't make it out of Europe. So like, you know, as Jewish people, you grow up knowing a lot of this, which I think makes the movie also successful in the sense of like this thing that is just beyond the wall, that people know what it is, that you hear in the background, is like very visceral. Like that understanding of like you don't have to tell me anything. You don't have to show me anything. Yeah. I know. But on coming out, Ariela didn't see it, but I was talking with her about it, and she was reminding me about this. Not controversy, but I don't know if you remember, like, last year or two years ago, where there was this thinking about... I don't remember why it was, because it wasn't after the movie of the boy with a striped pyjama. So I don't know if it's... Mm-hmm. Whatever. Something happened with that movie and that book, and there was this movement of, like... Not movement, conversation. Of, like... Where is this piece of art coming from? Yeah. And a lot of what happened there, that now I'm, I'm, I haven't stood on it for this one, is... What's the point of this story? Mm-hmm. That Germans and the people that worked and did this also had lives and tried to figure out how to do this. And that also takes it into more meta points of like, do pieces of art need to have a point and do they need to play a role in, you know, in a specific moment in time? Or is that something that makes them more powerful or less powerful? So it's just been something that I, I haven't thought about enough. So I'm going to need a couple of more days, a couple of weeks to figure out. But as a piece of cinema, like very much on the technical side, I thought it was uh, totally very interesting juxtaposition of things. So I just need to think more meta what it, how it's landing. Yeah, uh, I, Alex, it left Alex cold in the same way. I mean, I think it's just supposed to be a very visceral depiction of the banality of evil. Uh, I actually recently have been reading through Hannah Arendt's book about the banality mm-hmm. of evil and, and Adolf Eichmann and his trial, which I know is controversial in its own ways because it depicts the Israeli state as um, vengeful in a way that I think can be justified. Um, let's not yeah, take into that that even too much further another, than that. But yeah, yeah, that's also another huge conversation of like Israel as, it, as a representation of all the Jews in the world when it's yeah. not. But anyway, that's... Uh, yeah, no, that, that is a huge hole. can of worms that is especially <laughs> yeah. prescient right now that I really don't want to want to dig into. And uh, welcome yeah. to 2024, listeners. Where we no, no, just kidding. We are not a political strategy <laughs> podcast. Um, but Alex's point of view was she was like, yeah, I, I see that, and I think it is a really interesting depiction of that. But at the same time, she's like, I feel like I didn't need to see that. And I was like, that's fair. And what I told her was, I, I hear that, but you're also someone who literally wrote a PhD dissertation on police brutality in, in cinema. So I think you've been in a very advanced headspace about this for many years yeah. in a way that probably leaves you cold when you're watching a depiction of this. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's overall, what I was going to say. I think, yeah. you know, when you go to Auschwitz, you see these places. Right. And it's like, yeah, and that's where the German commander lived. And like, you're familiar with that craziness of the situation but that doesn't mean in itself that it's not anyway 
I need to think more yeah. about this. I don't want to think out loud as we go through this. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's think out loud. Did you see the news story yesterday about Apple's payments policies changing? No. Yeah. So the Supreme Court re- decided not to take on the Epic v. Apple lawsuit. So oh, okay. prior rulings stand. And based on what we've discussed, like the prior rulings are, are pretty soft in, in a way that... They are, Epic declared them a win. They are, they do spell out that Apple probably doesn't have the right to limit payment methods, but they don't spell out anything around the walled garden and the ability to take a cut from payments. So they actually are now linking out to outside payment platforms for the the first time. You're allowed to do that. Um, You still owe Apple a cut of money spent. Sure. Which... (laughs) is still loosey-goosey around reader apps and whether, okay, is is am I spending on this platform or not? Um, but Apple will now take 27% instead of 30%. So essentially they take the everything less the payment processing charge that you're going to pay to somebody else. Or if you're part of the Apple Small Business Program, uh, it, it's only a 12% cut. So not sure what the threshold is there but they are allowing it which is notable but it's certainly a softer kind of footnote in terms of the actual impact of the economics of the app store got it interesting i think that's also it's just another thing that is going to make 2024 i think very very interesting for apple between that there are changes or providers for apple pay and what they decide to do there. Mm-hmm. I was looking at something. There was a report from Capital One, like shopping research about Apple Pay, that said that 5% of global transactions used Apple Pay, which seems outstanding, like truly wow. remarkable. Especially and since the global percentage of iPhone owners is not high enough that I would I would feel that that's commensurate. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, wow. It's probably of credit cards, I guess, but still, the between that, these, their stuff with we haven't touched on the Apple Watch. Oh, Apple, yeah, that's for listeners that are not familiar with this. Apple lost a lawsuit around their blood oxygen measurement feature in their Apple Watch, and a court ordered that Apple can't sell their latest versions of the watch, the S nine and the Ultra S Ultra S two or just Ultra two. The the Ultra two, just okay. the second one, yeah. And um, Apple stopped selling yeah. them and hasn't sold them for a couple of weeks. They are apparently bringing it back, but they're just going to software gate it where you can't use it, which is interesting. Uh, it also leaves the uh, the option later on to do that. Did you see the other connection to our podcast with respect to this news story? About the Apple blood oxygen feature? Mm-hmm. No. Specifically, yeah. So, oh, yes, I did see it. Yes, <laughs> go ahead. It's such, it's awesome. About the board of directors? Yes. yes so go for it. Go for it. The board of directors of the firm that sued Apple, it's a company called Massimo, over a blood oxygen tool that they make. And uh, Bob Chapek just joined <laughs> the board of directors. Everything is about our podcast. Yes, yep. I, I did see that. That is fantastic. That is fascinating. Uh because what I thought you were going to say is the other thing that I was going to say is like the, a huge thing for Apple this year, and that is the Vision Pro. Uh, 
they started giving like these 30 minute demos again to the press. They're mm-hmm. coming to the to um, the public, I think Friday, 19th. And it's interesting because I think the the reactions that I've seen, I'm curious for what you've seen, ha- are still like very, very positive and very like, this is a step change versus anything that exists. But it's, there is this tingling of everything with Apple, especially anything with Apple that is like brand new, it, it always just works. Yeah. And, and this comes a little bit around the edges enough that I've seen in a couple of these articles, the reactions being like, these edges are what's going to make or break if this is seen as, oh, this is just a very cool gadget, but nobody's actually going to use it for more than 30 minutes and they just want to watch videos, to this can revolutionize the next surface area of computing. Uh, it's the first version, you know, there is a long way to go, but it's going to be a very, very interesting 2024 for Apple. It is. I I really don't think that anybody... I mean, we, we can't speak for the street. The street's stupid. But the street might be like, ah, they, they missed their sales targets or their sales aren't impressive enough with the Vision Pro. But if anybody's looking at the Vision Pro as anything more than kind of a V0 almost beta device at this point, I, I am shocked at your mental model. And <laughs> this is exactly what happened with the Apple Watch, where I, Apple hasn't had a slam dunk success, massive hardware launch, uh, give or take the AirPods, since the the original iPhone uh, or some of the, the later versions of the iPhone. And I think a lot of that's because a lot of computing categories just are more ancillary these days that people are investing in and still earlier stage. The Apple Watch took years to find its footing before it just quietly was everywhere and it was because they decided to invest in the fitness aspect of it and here i'm sure they will either find the killer app or it will become a pro tool in the way that it is aptly named the vision pro uh but yeah i'm curious to see how that shakes out there was also a new story around that with netflix today where netflix is not building a native app for the vision pro which again i don't think signals much there's not a native app on mac os i think Native apps are less and less crucial to the modern, you know, internet ecosystem as they were when the modern web was not caught up with what you can achieve on a native app. So I don't think this really spells doom and gloom for the Vision Pro or compatibility with the Vision Pro on Netflix. But it is interesting that people are not spending the cycles developing for it. We also saw an exodus over the last couple of years around the Apple Watch where Google pulled their native apps on the Apple Watch because just the juice isn't worth the squeeze in terms of the development. Yeah, I, that's also been interesting. I mean, this is just positioning for, from Disney that they're so good at in terms of marketing. Like a lot of these demos come with a Disney Plus demo yeah. that is not only about the viewing experience, but it's about these environments that they've created. And everyone are, is like very... Uh, you know, has been very impressed with them. But again, it's one of those things where Disney is very good at. And then once you make it past it, they're gonna, you're going to face the same challenges that Disney Plus is facing right now. Um, but yeah, I saw that thing from Netflix. Um, speaking on, of Netflix, it's uh, they continue this trend of uh, just licensing. Like, yeah. we don't have to get into details, but it's 
crazy the amount of stuff they continue to add directly from like the other major streamers. We just watched something on Netflix for the first time in a while. Well, something that wasn't a piece of Netflix content. Though, actually, we did see May, December, and Maestro in the theater. So we mm. did not watch those on Netflix. You don't even give them that win. And the killer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> frankly, they made more money off of us seeing them in the theater than they did uh, us subscribing, especially since sure. we get it for free through T-Mobile. But we actually booted up Netflix for the first time in a while to watch Carol the other day. And I was astonished to see my suggestions be largely street or licensed content. I'm used to booting up Netflix and seeing row after row after row of, of things that I should watch that are things I have no interest in watching that have a tiny red N in the corner. Yep. Not the case as much anymore. And uh, honestly, the discovery suggestions were a lot better than they have been because of that. Yeah, I was going to say, I just went in to see specifically on the movies. And the top 10 movies in the US today, only one, two, only two are Netflix originals. Number one, wow. Lift, the new Kevin Hart movie, and Society of the Snow. Everything else is licensed. And popular on Netflix, Dune, Minari, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, you know, LA Confidential, Whiplash. Gran Turismo, Lady Bird, uh, La La Land, No Hard Feelings, School of Rock, The Mauritanian, Blazing Saddles, Paddington, Black Swan, The Darkest Hour, the Super Mario Brothers movie, The John Wick, Quadrilogy, I guess, The Farewell, This Is Where I Leave You, How to Train Your Dragon. It's very stark versus the next six months, but honestly, I very, I mean, if if they figure out a way to make the economics work by taking advantage of their rivals suffering so much with all of their other businesses, good for them. Yeah. I will say, uh, I just want to take go for a zag here with a tangent. I have really been thinking a lot about Lee Isaac Chung lately, the <laughs> director of okay. Minari. Uh, he's he's one of these guys who has had a Lion King 2 situation brewing where... Do you know what his next film is right now? No. He is directing Twisters. Like... Yes. Yes. Like the, the Twister... Like, like a like sequel. The game? No. Like the Tornado oh, movie. Oh, Tornado movie. Oh, really? <laughs> They're making another one. They're making another one. So that's one where it's like, really? That's what he's making after Minari? But uh, it was just announced that he is directing a small love story next starring Stephen Yun. And specifically, the footnote that's interesting to me is who's writing it, which is Eric Roth, who I think that is a huge signal of Lee Isaac Chung as a filmmaker entering the big leagues because uh, Eric Roth is a screenwriter who, I mean, okay, I have his Wikipedia page right up up right now he's going to be nominated for best screenplay this year for killers of the flower moon he wrote dune he wrote the most recent one a star is born curious case of benjamin button munich forrest gump like he is a important interesting screenwriter he's also written you know extremely loud and incredibly close uh some other adapted less also. successful yeah. films as well adapted, i guess yeah but he's certainly a notable guy and I think it's a huge vote of confidence in Lee Isaac Chung that he's 
wanting to work with him next. So that's very exciting. I really hope that some news comes out soon about Barry Jenkins in a similar vein. Just the next one after Lion King 2. Is that this year? Supposedly, yeah. Interesting. Have you seen The Lion King? The, yeah. The new one? Yeah. Yeah. In the movie theater, probably. Yeah. Uh, not my finest I, moment. I have not. Uh, I probably will skip it, but there's definitely a strong, strong chance I will see the new Barry Jenkins film, even if it is a Lion King. Lion King 2. Yeah. The one, the one movie that I've still been trying to catch in, in theaters, coming back to kind of what we've seen and what we've liked, that now I failed. So I wanted to watch it one Tuesday. Tuesday nights are like the day of the week that I really and I can watch something. Mm-hmm. I got COVID last week. Yeah. Um, this week, Ariela had a bachelor party, so I went to see the Zone of Interest because she wants to watch it. So hopefully next Tuesday, all of us strangers. Have you watched yeah. it? Yeah, just last night I saw it. Okay, what did you think? Uh, have you seen Weekend or uh, 45 Years? Have you seen any of Hayes' stuff previously? It's, no. It remind, it's, I've only seen 45 Years. I would like to see his other stuff. I'd also like to watch Looking his HBO show, but 45 years is a very haunted film. Uh, Very good. It was one of the first films I saw after college where I was really getting into film that I really truly loved. Carol actually being another one. And he's got a very specific, slow, sad, haunted vibe as a filmmaker. And that is very effusive within this. Um, It's an interesting film. Don't really know what to make of it, but I was very emotionally moved quite frequently by it. And certainly, I think the biggest, weightiest thing that Andrew Scott has had to work with as as an artist. So really enjoyed watching him in the film. I think it it really takes advantage of, of him as a performer, both in terms of the sadness he can bring, but also just the you know, charisma and, and likability of just watching him. Mm. So it's something certainly different than um, Catherine called Birdie or his hammier roles in, in a, a Spectre or Sherlock. So was very happy to, to see him get challenged and, and have a really great role to work with. Nice. I have five minutes. Before I have to go, I'm curious... I know we're probably going to talk a lot about everything we've seen, especially as the award season continues to evolve. I'm curious what you haven't seen. What is the stuff that you still need to catch up on before? Totally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, poor things. I have not seen. We were supposed to see on Monday, but... Me neither. Yeah. We just kind of didn't want to go out on Monday. It was cold here. And uh, we were dealing with a, a water heater that was not heating. So, we had other priorities so want to see that that one kind of feels like homework and that is just kind of weird looking and i know it's going to be a lot i know what I, you mean i i don't feel like watching i don't i feel like when i watched the revenant where i was like exactly oh I, I don't I, anyway yeah and i certainly enjoy lanthimos's whole thing generally and really really love the favorite and um yes i agree on that one What's his crazy... The lobster? Barry Keoghan one. No, I like the lobster. Oh, the Barry um, Keoghan one. Killing of a Sacred Deer. That one is... Mm. That's something special. 
And but this one, yeah, I I know that if we don't see it in a theater, it's going to be harder, even harder to to get ourselves to watch it. So there's that. I uh, really want to see the taste of things, which you had the chance to see at a festival. Uh, incredible trailer. I was so, going to tell you, I watched it now almost like four or five months ago, and yesterday during the Zone of Interest is the first time that I see the trailer. Yeah. Excellent trailer. So I'm excited to see that. Yeah. Um, and then the other big one from my perspective is I literally had it on the tip of my tongue and forgot. Oh, Origin. I really want to see Origin. Oh, yeah. The Ava Same. DuVernay film, which hearing about it just kind of I wasn't necessarily like excited or not excited about it. I've only seen Wrinkle in Time, which I quite liked of her of her work. So, but another film where just the trailer is really excellent and effective. Yeah. So you've caught up, you're caught up on like um, American fiction. Uh, yeah, stuff. that's a, that's another one I haven't seen. That's one where we mutually agreed. Seems like we can stream this one and not make time for it at the theater. So you and Alex. Yeah, yeah, we will be seeing that soon at some point, but have not caught it yet. Uh, I, I will say that the one film I really do want to stunt for that's out right now is Ferrari. I just mm. loved yeah. Ferrari. Okay. I generally love Michael Mann, and Michael Mann's had a very strange career over the last twenty years. Uh, the triptych of uh, his kind of bizarre digital triptych of Miami Vice to Public Enemies to um, Black Hat is an, an odd one, and each of those films is is obtuse and strange. So it was really nice to watch a film that actually was pretty much a, a back to basics for Michael Mann of just a repressed guy who's better at his job than anybody else doing it and also kind of failing at being a human in the process. Adam Driver, I liked. A lot of people are like, I can't escape seeing him as Adam Driver, which is fair. Penelope Cruz, though, is... Uh, she's certainly my shortlist of who I would really want to... If I was giving out the Oscar for Best Actress, it might go oh. to her. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I really want to catch Ferrari. I don't know if I'll do it in Mexico, but that was the other option for yesterday. Uh, but Great I one in the I theater. Would... Yeah, not... I asked Ariela, what was she yeah. least likely to want to watch between those two? And she was like, I'm probably going to enjoy Ferrari more, so go watch The Zone of Interest. I was like, fine. Um, I, I would say... thought it was going to be more about, like... I thought it was going to be more interior and just more, like, watching like, you know, sad Enzo Ferrari. And it is that. That is the majority of the film. But there's also just a lot of awesome, just race stuff. So, very good. That sounds great. I was just going to say on American Fiction, I really, really enjoyed American Fiction. I know we talked about this, but the more I stew on it, and the more I even want to try to watch it again in theaters, because I'm not going to say anything you don't know, but... The family part, the one that they don't show in yeah. the trailer at all, that ends up being like 70% of the movie, is awesome. And it it did feel, we went especially to like an early look, you know, that is like a week before. Mm-hmm. So it was a full house. It's It was a very interesting experience of like seeing the people trying to understand these very two different things that were being told at the same time uh, and their reactions to it. So if you happen to have one of these nights where you've went through all of your lists and you don't have anything. Uh, 
give it a chance in the theater. Yeah. I, I think for me, if I see something in the theater by myself soon, I'll probably go see The Iron Claw before it leaves, Ooh, which... Yes. I want to watch that Mirabella. I'm, yeah. I'm not as excited about it, but seems interesting, and I think it'd be good to see in a theater, so... I agree. I agree. Yeah. My friend, I need to jump. So, next week, I'm not going to promise anything, but over the next couple of weeks, we need to do our... 2023 look back and see how we did on our predictions and also make our predictions for this year i have a bad feeling we're gonna eat crow about the apple disney thing though i really don't think it's it makes any sense you know like yeah but it doesn't not seem like it makes sense people just keep talking about it so that does mean something in this world i don't know spoilers for for what happens in our in our uh conversation next year but (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to get back into the swing of things. We're going to go back to a, a weekly model as much as we can. Sorry we've been AWOL, everyone. Yeah, we promise we didn't leave your feet. We were just VC and sick. But great to catch up, my friends and listeners. We'll talk to you next week. Later. Bye.